Hi, we are here today with Dr. Jessica Dunn. She is um, formerly at JDRF, and now she's um, heading up, she's director of uh, T1D Research at Novo Nordisk. And um, so she has a very deep understanding of the field, as well as sort of on both sides, I'd say, uh, the scientific as well as the industry side. And so she's really uniquely positioned to kind of give her impressions of the ADA meeting so far. And she's agreed to sit with us and just um, kind of walk through some of the high notes um, in her impressions about what's going on here. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Monica. So yeah, I mean, I think what I've seen sort of the most of is that there's definitely more energy around type one this year than there has been in, in years past. And I would you know, be remiss to say if I don't think that was directly the, the, the coming from uh, the Tablizumab approval last fall, right? So there's a lot of interest in not just moving Tablizumab forward in, in patient care, but also in developing the infrastructure around um, for screening and identifying patients for, for Tablizumab. And so I think uh, in terms of sort of what's excited me, I think, you know, we've been on a long journey to get to this point where we finally have our first disease-modifying therapy in type 1 diabetes, and we're Absolutely. here. Yeah. Um, and I think we're all rooting for the success of teplizumab, right? Because if it is uh, successful for the patients, right, that means that we're going to have next-generation therapies coming behind it. Um, and so I think there is still a, a gap uh, in terms of how we treat uh, early stages of type 1 diabetes. You know, we saw, I think, on Friday, I've sort of lost track of my days here, <laughs> that, um, you know, some of the, <laughs> the, early, uh, the earlier trials from TrialNet and sort of showing mixed results and, and what are sort of defined as, as failures. But I think even then we can learn from how do we do this? How do we develop disease-modifying therapies in type 1 diabetes? You know, I think there's still a challenge in terms of um, the drug development timelines for type 1 diabetes, right? Teplizumab took, what was it, seven years to enroll and 10 years to, to complete because we're still doing trials as time to event trials, right? So I think we as a field need to think about differently how we do trials in type 1 diabetes, and I think that's coming you know, together as a community, both academics and, and industry, as well as with the regulators, and figuring out, do we have anything? If not, what do we need to do to get to that point? How to expedite. Yeah, so I think that still remains a major gap. There's been some exciting talks about the use of CGMs as sort of predictors of, yes. of type 1 diabetes. So <clears throat> I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done to be able to, to really look at the CGMs, aggregate the data that we have, do some prospective studies. Um, and, and really like drill down on the prodrome, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, right? We're looking at these static measurements for CGM. You know, everybody talks about this time above 140 as being the, the sort of predictor. But you look at those curves, and I wonder, and I'm not sophisticated enough to know, but you know, can we really bring in some smart people to understand, are there patterns in the CGMs maybe that are better predictors? Because even the data that was just shown in this last um, session focused around screening, there's a lot of individual patient variability. And so how do we get to a, a point where we can actually make decisions on an individual level, right? So in terms of their prediction. So um, I'm, I'm very excited about where we are. I'm really excited about where we're going, um, you know, in terms of both, again, sort of the drug development piece, we've got a therapy, I think we're getting so much closer to the idea of putting screening into into the real world. Um, you know, I loved Anetta Ziegler's answer in that last 
uh, session, which was, you know, what else, phenomenal. what else do we need to do to get this into the guidelines? And simply stated, you know, we've done enough. <laughs> you know, we're ready to get there. You know, the guidelines is a very important piece, obviously, in getting that. But it's also how do we get to the point of implementation in the sort of the public health sector? And that is, ADA has a, has a big role there, right? Because they will implement the guidelines, right. correct, into physicians' practices. Yeah, I mean, the ADA is, is critical in terms of... Um, know getting to that point and and I think we've seen also a, a, a few talks this this uh, set these sessions showing sort of their evolution right so family members only in the sense of clinical research you know last year they they modified those um, to include family members more broadly and um, you know now with the development of tablizumab it'll be interesting to see you know where they go and I know they're always open to uh, input from the community. So again, I think this is a place where mul multiple stakeholders should be coming together and are coming together to talk about what's right. And, and you know, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. We want to make sure that we're doing it in a meaningful way. But I think, you know, we're there. And then I think, you know, the differences that we also saw in the screening sessions between Aneta working directly with the pediatricians versus the U.S. cohorts that are real more intensively based with with the study team and you know figuring out how to how to get this into the, the hands and whether or not there are capacity issues to doing broad-based population screening which there there likely are and so how do we get ahead of those and solve for those yeah it's a big lift but I think you know it's very um, it, it's just such a valuable piece yes to do and I would also kind of just tap on the fact that to me it seems like you know 20, 30 years ago, breast cancer was just one size fits all, right? But now, look, it's evolved into something that's so personalized and really effective. Yes. And and it seems to me that type 1 is, is kind of following behind those footsteps and, and really with the advent of teplizumab, okay, here we go. Yeah. So. And I love that analogy, and I've used that a few times in, in talking to people, right? But we, and I think the key point in that is we wouldn't get, we wouldn't be where we are with cancer immunotherapy if we hadn't started off with these broad-based yep. therapies to understand, you know, how do, how do patients react, how do, you know, do they react differently, and then what are those sort of gaps in, in the patients that, that aren't reacting to um, or responding to, to therapy X, right? So um, I agree. I think we're at the sort of the, the cusp of, of really great future um, research, right? And so we've got now the first immune-based therapy, and, and we know that the beta cells are also involved in this. And, and so how do we think about, you know, therapies that, that prolong the survival or increase replication of, of beta cells, um, you know, with some of the caveats around that, making sure that we don't get teratomas, right, or right. cell therapy replacement. Um, it all has to be approached sort of in tandem. Yes. And right, so um, unless you're, uh, you know, you'll always have the sort of the issue of autoimmunity um, with some of these beta cell um, uh, therapies. So we've got to start thinking really about, uh, again, about some of these combination therapies and, and how do they work and understanding the mechanisms um, to be able to, to do this thoughtfully. Well, it's it's really exciting times, and um, I for one feel very. Uh, happy and uh, excited that you're at the helm at Novo, um, you know, because I know you have a deep interest in type 1 and you have a deep understanding of type 1. And so to be to have someone like you as sort of leading the charge at Novo is just very uh, comforting, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, also inspiring. So thank you very much for talking to us. Yes, thank you.